Welcome to I'm Game with Fred Croner. Today I'm joined by Barb Garvey from the Museum of the Grand Prairie in Muhammad. Uh, for the last eight years, she's been the director of the museum and as well as uh, education. Uh, Barb, welcome. Thank you, Fred. First of all, tell me a little bit, uh, what, what does your job description entail? Uh, well, I oversee the entire um, museum and education department. So um, I oversee programs and collections and uh, the physical maintenance of the building, <laughs> everything you can think of for the um, for the museum. And I'm assisted by, uh, there's an assistant director at Homer Lake Interpretive Center. So I oversee both the museum and the Homer Lake Interpretive Center. So that's pretty much what I do. Yeah, well, great. Well, talk, talk about how you got uh, interested in this and then involved in the first place. I, I know you've been on board there for, for over 20 years in different capacities. Right. Um, well, I, I, I started out in art history at the U of I um, and uh, worked in at the um, World Heritage Museum, which is a precursor to the Spurlock. And I worked for a while at the Carnot Art Museum. Um, and uh, Early in the 1990s, I worked for the Forest Preserve, actually, for, on a, in a little part-time job writing grants and proposals. Um, and at that time, became involved with the Early American Museum, which is now the Museum of the Grand Prairie, um, where I was on the museum advisory board for several years. Um, and then in the year 2001, uh, they needed a new curator. I applied for the job, and I became a curator. 2001, uh, kind of moved slightly up to the assistant director in 2011-ish, maybe, I don't remember exactly, and then 2013 when Cheryl Kennedy, who had been there for 30 years, left, um, retired, and I became the director of the department. So you mentioned something I wanted to follow up on. What uh, what happened behind the name change from the Early American Museum to the Museum of the Grand Prairie? What uh, what took place to make that happen? Well, Early American means so many things. Um, it was the chosen name by the founding donor. Um, founding donor uh, gave 2,500 artifacts in 1966. His name was William Redhead. He wanted to name it the Early American Museum because that to him that meant uh, the time before um, before in the Industrial Revolution. But um, he, but it never. It, it, it's really so such a broad term that we we had trouble convincing people that we actually had anything to do with Champaign County. Um, the uh, early American means to some people uh, Native American. To some people, it means colonial, which has nothing to do with here. Colonial doesn't. Um, uh, to some people, it means, you know, 1950s furniture, honestly. So <laughs> we, um, in the early 1990s, we actually started uh, investigating other names for the museum, um, things that would be more descriptive. Now, Museum of the Grand Prairie may sound like it's not descriptive of, of where we are, but in fact, this is a, we're in a little island of the, of the actual, uh, Grand Prairie, as ge geographers call it. So 
it seemed like a kind of a poetic name that was still pretty general, but um, that fit with where we are. And uh, it took a lot. It takes a long time to make a to make a name change because you have to you have to get public rec recognition of it, right? And I think we're still kind of struggling with that. So, and it's it's been ten years now. So, when do you find us in some ways kind of like uh, you know the Assembly Hall State Farm Center? Are there still people that refer to it? Oh. Uh, the, the early American Museum? Absolutely. And then, you know, sometimes if you say Museum of the Grand Prairie and they go, I don't know where that is. And then you say it's the one by the west entrance of Lake of the Woods. Then they say, people say, oh, the early American Museum. <laughs> so they know it. They just don't, they don't know that the name has changed. So that's exactly. fine. I'm, I, we just want them to come, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So how many exhibits are there at, at any given time? Um, well, we generally have one special exhibit. Um, and then we have uh, four uh, permanent exhibits. So permanent exhibit in museum ease uh, is usually a 10 to 15 year exhibit. Um, and then the special exhibit is runs almost always runs for a year, but sometimes it runs for two. Um, we ran the, for example, right now we're running the, the women's uh, suffrage exhibit for two years because last year we were closed half the year because of COVID. So it doesn't seem like it's a waste of our time and, and resources to, to not have people see something that, you know, it's a special exhibit, but it, it hasn't been seen. So we, we, we elected to extend that one. Um, yeah. So, so even though it sounds like, you know, if you say you have a special exhibit for a year, it sounds like quite a long time, but, but I imagine there's a lot goes into getting everything that you have to have. And so, you know, it takes time, first of all, just to, to get everything you're going to need. So how- Oh yeah, well, that, that's why we only have one special exhibit a year. We, we don't have mm -hmm. that big of a staff. And um, for example, the women's uh, suffrage exhibit, we borrowed um, from the Illinois History and Lincoln Collection. We borrowed from private donors. We borrowed from uh, the Spurlock. So all of those things take time. Um, all those things have legal implications that, you know, we have to make sure that we've fulfilled all the, all the desires and requests of, of, of people who loan us things. So, um, but it, yeah. And then of course there's, we want to make sure that the research is all uh, proper and that can be sometimes very uh, complicated because local history is not you just can't go get a book about it. You have to actually do um, find primary documents, right? And uh, and and what we try to do with our special exhibits is take something that's worldwide or at least a national uh, issue or event and match the local history to it and show how they they interact. So we talk about in the women's suffrage exhibit, we talk about women, who, local women who were involved in the suffrage movement on a national scale. Um, and there were some. And so, and the, the, our, previous ex, our previous special exhibit was about 1968. And we talked about all the things that happened in that, in that kind of tumultuous year 
in Champaign, Urbana, Muhammad, St. Joe in 1968, as well as the, the larger national issues. So that's what we, what we try to do with our special exhibits. How far in advance do you start working? I mean, are you at this point already working on what you'll have in, in 2022 or 2023? Yeah, yep, we are. Um, the 2022-2023 exhibit, we're actually working on four different exhibits right at the moment. We're working on an exhibit about um, about uh, where we received a, a large donation from um, Stanley Rankin and uh, we, we were able to build an addition to the museum for our large artifacts. It's actually rebuild. We had one and we, and it was in bad shape when we needed to be rebuilt. But we're gonna do a, a virtual quilt exhibit um, based on, on his quilts. We're also working on a renovation of the blacksmith wing, which is a permanent exhibit. And then next year, a special exhibit well, it's going to be about, um, it's, it's kind of vague right at the moment, but the, the concept is that about a community that cares. So about the kinds of helping organizations that are um, spread throughout the county that um, work to help other people. We were inspired by the, actually by the pandemic to do this exhibit because there are so many people helping other people right now. And we thought that would be a great thing to celebrate. And that has a long history in our community. So, um, and of course in the country. So we thought that would be a good thing to celebrate. So that's a, that's what our next exhibit's going to be about. Do you get much uh, feedback for, from the visitors that come in terms of, of what they like or what they would like to see or, or not? You know, we do. We have a lot of uh, positive feedback, of course, um, occasional neg negative feedback, but um, uh, uh, people are just astounded by the um, variety. Well, for example, the, the women's suffrage move, movement, it, it, that there were actually local people who went on marches, you know, they don't, no one, no one knows that, right? Um, but then we also have people who are hobbyists who are like our blacksmith exhibit is exceedingly popular with with um, uh, collectors because there are a lot of people who collect um, blacksmith items and and we have like, you know, set up a, a shop is that what were 1920 and so we have that we have we have hobbyists as well so we have all kinds of folks and um, of course we have lots of school children on a normal year this year we haven't had because no one was in school in the in the way they have been in the past um so but we have done a lot of zoom school field trips um and we have to do more in the fall because i think there's going to be a restriction still on travel for kids so so talk about finding the, the balance that you have enough there that would be of interest to kids and then also for adults because you can't be too heavy one way or the other, can you? Right. Well, we, so we have a we have a discovery uh, area which is all hands-on. Um, and that, uh, but, but you're right, there is a, there's a balance. We try to, 
We try to have a lot of big pictures because there are people who don't want to read labels, but we also want to have enough information in the labels so that there, for people who do read labels, there's, there's an additional set of information, right? Um, we always try to have something interactive in every area so that there is something that would be attractive to children, but, but it's not all for, for children. And then we do have the one gallery that's, that's for kids because um, we, you know, we, we believe that the museum should be for everyone, children and adults alike. As you think back over the past 10 or 15 years, what, what have been the most popular exhibits or maybe the ones that have, have created the most feedback? Well, I, I think the last two that we've done, the 68 and the, and the, and the women's suffrage have gotten a lot of feedback, but we've had, you know, we've had a lot of, of popular exhibits. We had one in, in 2001 called This Legacy is Yours, and it was about, um, accomplished Af African-American women in, in Champaign County. Uh, put to, we did it in, in connection with the uh, National Council of Negro Women in Champaign County. And um, that was wildly popular exhibit and, and a great exhibit and lots of people came to it. Um, but we have lots of programming as well, all based on our collection or our exhibits. And uh, the program is quite popular too. We have this new um, program. Well, it's, it's new, it's like six years old. Um, <laughs> uh, the Museum Mondays in, in the summertime is just, you know, every Monday there's some sort of free demonstration for, it's, it's become mostly for children, but, um, but, Adults are welcome to come, you know, we have, and those are really, really popular days, but we have big events in the fall. Um, usually uh, one in, in September, one in October, one in December. Those are all quite popular. Um, so we're all over the place. We had an exhibit about trees and how people have used them and in, I don't know, about 2010, and that was really popular too, so. Talk about how many people were involved there at the Museum of the Grand Prairie and, and what some of their duties are as well. Sure. We have four full-time staffers, me, um, a person who's in charge of the, of the school programs, someone who's in charge of the um, public programs. So those are programs that are not in schools um, or with school children, although they may involve them on their time off. Um, and we have a curator. So the curator takes care of the collection and does the exhibits. But we all work as a team usually to do the exhibits because it's too much work for one person. And then we have um, a couple of people who help with school programs. Um, one of them is, is more geared towards doing garden programming because we have the botanical garden behind we uh, behind us and so we have a garden educator she's uh very part-time um and we have a registrar so that's somebody who actually takes care of all the documentation of the collection um so those that's our basic professional staff we do have people at the front desk as well now with free admission how are you able to sustain the, the funding and and you know be able to do the things that, that you do there 
Well, we're supported by the, we are part of the Champaign County Forest Preserve District. So if you look at your tax bill, it is the smallest thing on your tax bill, but it's still on your tax bill. <laughs> so we're, oh my gosh, my battery is running low. I hope that's not a problem. Um, I'm looking for my plug, sorry. Um, so uh, we're, we're primarily supported by, by tax dollars. So we don't really feel like it's right to charge people twice when they're paying in their tax bill. Um, mm -hmm. But we do generate from the from some of the program where we do generate a, a little bit of revenue. So that helps out a lot. And we also are happily take donations at the door. We just don't insist on donations because we do want to be open for everyone, um, regardless of their ability to pay. So. So I know at, at different times you, you have guest speakers come in. How, how often uh, do you have that? And, and uh, how many do you try to have in a typical year? Well, we, we had, just before COVID, we had worked our way up to having about one a month. Um, we always have a Lincoln Lecture Series. So the Lincoln Lecture Series, I think will be in its 14th year this year. Um, but we all, that, and that's in the fall and that's usually two or three speakers in the fall, but we've now been trying to have uh, a lecture a month um, based on the topic of the special exhibit. Um, it was a little bit crazy last year with COVID and those have, those have all gone virtual and our idea is when we come back to doing them in person that we will also have a hybrid so that people can watch it virtually as well. So, and those are, you know, we try to get scholars locally because we have lots of colleges around us. So that, you know, we, we're very lucky in that, in that regard. In fact, that was my, my next question was what you've learned through COVID that maybe you're going to implement as, as more permanent changes, uh, you know, once everything is, is back to so-called normal. Well, I, we are on a, um, we do have a, we are going to work towards doing hybrid programs because uh, we're a, uh, we're convinced that that there are there are people that we're not reaching right because whatever for whatever reason maybe they have mobility issues maybe they're they they can't get to Muhammad because they don't have a car maybe they're uh, just too darn busy to come to the museum on the times that we're open right we have found that Tuesday or Wednesday nights are good nights to do programming and we don't normally do programming in the evening because. You know, half of the year the park is closed and it takes a special arrangement. People don't like to come to the park in the dark. You know, it was just there. We don't typically do stuff in, on weekday evenings, but we've been had great success with that on it virtually. So we may continue to do some virtual programming just to, because we find, found that we've broadened our audience that way. Also, it's way easier to get a speaker to come if they don't have to drive from you know Des Moines or <laughs> Chicago right so <laughs> so um we have had we've had luck with with asking people to I, our Lincoln lecture series last year we had someone who, who spoke from Cincinnati and one who spoke from New York so it, that it broadens our possibilities for speakers as well so what are your hours currently our hours currently are 
shorter than they nor they used to be because we still have two staffers at the front desk for cleaning purposes and to monitor masks because we still require masks um, unless you want to show your immunization card. So our hours currently are one to five, Monday through Saturday. That's, that's how, will, how will that change uh, as the winter uh, season gets here? I think it'll be about the same during winter. Um, we, are, we do close in January and February because we don't have any place to stage our exhibits or any time to clean except in January and February. And the park is pretty closed down. And I mean, there's, there's still some people out in, in, in the snow and the ice, right? But, um, but it's, uh, um, it's, it's, it's just a time when we don't usually have a lot of people come. So January, February, we close completely. Uh, but otherwise we'll still be open one to five. We might expand it a little bit. We might be open on Sundays. I don't know. It depends on how COVID goes actually. Sure. Exactly. Mm -hmm. You mentioned already anything else on the horizon that, uh, you would like to get out there for folks to know about? Um, we, uh, we have a, I think, I think I would just go to the ccfpd.org website and see what's coming up that might interest you. We have Prairie Stories will be back in September. Um, we're in the middle of an oral history project with, with Champaign County African-Americans. So if you are interested in being interviewed and you are in the African-American community in Champaign County, we'd love to hear from you. Um, we're, we're still running Museum Mondays uh, on the short term. We have a program uh, tomorrow night with, uh, in cooperation with um, the Cranford Art Museum um, on, um, it's pandemics as an uh, opening to change. Um, so how the pandemic has opened uh, it changes in our in our um, and that's a virtual program so you could just tune into our Facebook page and find it um, that's tomorrow evening so we are just there are dozens of things so I, I I'm I'm worried I'm going to miss something <laughs> if I don't say if I don't if I don't direct you to the ccfpd.org or the museum of the grand prairie.org um, websites to look or our Facebook page well, you're absolutely right. I mean, the, the websites are just a wealth of information. So that, uh, that would be a, a great source to, to check out. Great. Thank you. All right. We've been talking to Barb Garvey today, the director of the Museum of the Grand Prairie in Muhammad.